All right. Good evening, Newark family, and welcome back once again to our Friday Night with Friends. We are excited to have all of you joining us. And as you can see here from my screen, we are doubly privileged because tonight we have not one, but two different guests. And as you can see, Regina is also on the line with me. Well, there we go. Got a nice, good, strong sneeze. I'm going to go ahead and step into the background. And ladies, if you would all go ahead and take yourselves off of mute, I'm going to fade into the background. And Regina, why don't you take it away and go ahead and introduce who our two guests are this evening? Yes, it's good to be here tonight with uh, two very special people. And the, the connecting theme of them for this broadcast tonight is that they are both missionary kids. Um, now, neither of them is a kid anymore. <laughs> but but I think it's a once you're an MK, you're always an MK. So we have Stacy Perry um, and, and Alana Cisco. So having said just the basic theme, I'll let them introduce themselves because I'm not even sure of all the details of, of uh, such things as where they were born, where they grew up, um, what were their parents doing, and, and kind of where they are in life now. So Stacy, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your experience. I'm Stacy Perry, and my parents were Tim and Carolyn Seminoe. I was born actually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, literally on near the bayou. We lived on the bayou, so yes, we are from Louisiana. And in our food and all that, you can always tell, my mom and dad pastored a small church in Donisonville, Louisiana, when they were called to be missionaries. Um, and they lived, we lived in Tanzania and worked in Tanzania for 10 years. And then we moved into Botswana and worked there for 17 years. And I now am living in New Haven, Connecticut with my husband and my family, where we pastor a Metro Missions work that is now almost 11 years old. Excellent. So, so for the Americans of us who think of Africa as just one, some people even think it's a country. Tanzania and Botswana are, are where? Africa is very large, as you two know, but maybe everyone else doesn't. Where is Botswana Tan and Tanzania? Tanzania is East Africa, and it is the home of Mount Kilimanjaro, and also um, Zanzibar, if that kind of gives you some of the things that are in it. And then Botswana is Southern Africa, right above South Africa. Okay. So, yeah, it's a landlocked country. Okay. Yeah. And Alana. Uh, it's, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your experience, where you grew up, where you were raised, who your parents are, what they were doing, how you ended up in Africa. Sure. So, hi, my name is Alana Sisko. My parents are Nick and Pam Sisko, and I was born in Haberoni, Botswana. And then afterwards, my parents moved quite shortly after I was born to work as missionaries in Accra, Ghana, and that's where I was raised and went to school and everything else. My parents, um, they mostly taught in Bible schools and worked with the churches in the communities in Ghana. My dad was also the West Africa coordinator. And so far, I've graduated high school a couple, a couple months ago, and now I'm gonna go to UMB, which is in New Brunswick, Canada for university. Excellent. Um you don't remember it because you were very young, but your parents came through and deputized and, and um, actually visited our church. So 
technically some of the people that are watching may have met you um, when you were a baby, but you've a few things have changed since then. That would have been, I think, 2003, if I remember right. So when were when were you born, Alana? 2002. Okay, so yes, you were. You wouldn't remember that, but I remember you. Um, you don't look much the same now. So um, it's it's very good to have you guys here. And we we are a church that has a lot of missionaries come through, and of course we hear about their experiences and their works and and all of those things. And sometimes they'll have the kids testify or sing or or whatever. You guys know how that works. But but um, for good reason, we try to give the kids their privacy because they don't know us and and all that. So I I wanted to kind of share with the congregation a little bit about just life as a missionary kid, because it's it's a very different kind of life. Uh, there are goods and bads. And um, so just kind of give the, the congregation a taste of that. So uh, we're gonna ask you to tell some stories, um, some experiences, even some opinions and, and this kind of thing tonight. So um, let, me, let me start with you, Alana. Uh, I'll just be real honest. I gave these ladies a menu of questions to pull from. So they they know what I'm going to ask them and and I know what they prefer to be asked. So um, you said you have a story about uh, something that God helped your family with, a, a story about that. Share that share that with us if you don't mind. Sure. So last deputation, my dad was... You know, like deputation's fun, but after a while it gets kind of tiring. So he was hoping for with the things of the church is that they would have like a six-month deputation. And realistically, that's pretty difficult sometimes. So he kept telling my mom, me and my brother, he's like, yeah, we're going to have a six-month deputation. He was always praying constantly in like the rooms. He was always like, okay, we're going to do this, whatever. And then after a while, it was about maybe five months almost. And he was starting to get really like, you know, worried and wondering if God was hearing him or if he was actually listening. So I remember he like went to this one particular room and he was like, he said he was really praying hard for trying to understand how God's going to be able to do this. Because at that point, it had also reached this six month period and he was like really nervous and he really wanted to get back because he felt it was God's will. But nothing was actually happening. We still had quite a few PIMs to actually be filled out. So I don't remember personally which church it is because I was still pretty young. But we went to this one church. And I remember it was altar call. And so it wasn't even a missions church service. It was an evangelist who had come and the pastor had put us both on the same day by accident. So he told my dad that if you don't mind, he had scheduled the evangelist first. So if he could preach and then my dad could just give like a short little 10 minute speech, show like the little video and then just go sit down. So they did that. They got a couple PIMs. He went and sat down and the evangelist got up to preach. After in the altar call, the evangelist went to the pastor and he was like telling him that he felt God wanted to do something special. So the pastor gave him permission. The evangelist went up onto the platform and said that the last time the pastor had called to give PIMs, more people wanted to, but they didn't give any. They just felt shy or they just didn't want to. So he said, this is their last time to come up and do the PIMs. So I remember all of these people just started coming out of their little altars and going up to the platform and then start filling out PIMs or taking them and they were passing them out. 
And my dad actually ran out of the normal yellow PIM, so they had to photo print some more. So they went and they got more. And I remember my mom and me and my little brother were like looking over the like seats. And we were all counting. We were like, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. And we got so excited because we actually finished all of our PIMs that night. That is so, awesome. Amen. So, so wow. for those that, that don't know the, the language, deputation is where the, the missionaries travel around the country, might be Canada, might be the U.S., um, sharing their story, sharing their burden, and, and getting people to partner in missions. And that's the PIM she was speaking about. So a PIM is a pledge to give X number of dollars every month. And a missionary that's deputizing knows they have to get Y number of PIMs to make their budget before they can go back to their their field of calling, Africa in this case. So um, it, it really is amazing to do a six month deputation. Um, and I, I hear that's getting more common, but still not common. Um, so used to be two, three, years sometimes especially that first deputation so that's a that's amazing that's a real blessing and god god heard you god heard your daddy that's great stacy share us a, a favorite memory of africa um i think one of my favorite memories this is kind of mean because it is on my sister um but hang on a second you have you have a sister who's older or younger younger Younger. Younger. Okay. And I have an older brother. Okay. So um, we were all, I believe we were eight, 10 and 13 when we first went to Africa, when we left here. And after we actually had a six month deputation, we were so excited. All of us kids were, you know, we were going to Africa and we were, we were more excited than mom and dad were, I think, because we were done with deputation. We had packed all our bags. We'd gone through all this stuff. We got on the flight to go to Africa. We stopped in Holland and that was very traumatic because they put a live, not a live, but a whole fish in front of me, you know, and that was very, I'd never seen anything like that. Went to the Tulip Festival. Even you know, in Louisiana, was, you hadn't seen anything like that. <laughs> no, no. I mean, we were like, okay, we're in for it. But we got on the airplane from Amsterdam to Nairobi. And you have to understand back in those days, we flew business class. You should be jealous. Yes, but we don't do that anymore. But KLM used to let the missionaries fly business class. Uh -huh. um, but we're all sitting in our little row and my sister begins to hysterically cry. Um, unconsolable. She's almost throwing up. She was so upset. She was just so just emotional. And my father had had about all he could handle. And he finally looks at her and he goes, Lakely, just tell me what is wrong. And she looked at him and she goes, I don't think I can run fast enough. And dad was like, run fast enough for what? He said, whenever we get off the airplane, we've got to run to the, to the Jeep. And there's no way I can run with all of my bags. She had no idea that the animals were not going to be at the airplane when we got off. Because this was, I mean, this was 1979. So you got to understand, we didn't see all of the pictures that everyone here sees of the cities. We didn't know that there was actually going to be a real airport. She really thought that the lions and the giraffe and all of those were going to be meeting us at the airplane. 
That's... That was one always been one of my favorite stories. It's like you don't know until you know about something. And, you know, especially as a child, you're afraid of things that you can't right. really explain. Right. And being exhausted and all that, I guess, just brought it out. But that's one of my favorite stories. We didn't have to run. There was a missionary with a nice van. There was immigration before we got to <laughs> before we got to the airport. So she was about eight. Yes. So that would be about she just turned eight. Yeah. You don't know Dinah, but that would be about, I think, a little younger than Dinah. I think Dinah's mm -hmm. a little older, but the, the people on our church will know who Dinah is. That's that's yeah. Desi's daughter. Dinah is oh. eight. That's my youngest, my daughter, yes. and she will turn nine in a couple weeks. So it's right so, after. So a little younger oh, than yeah. little younger than Dinah. Yeah. yeah, I can. And when, when all you've seen of Africa is, you know, National Geographic or yes, or whatever. Because I mean, back then we didn't even have. There was no. We had never even seen an an animal except in a zoo. You know, right. so it's very, yeah. Now, so in Tan I'm, I'm going to veer off a little bit. Mm -hmm. Tanzania is one of the places that does have a lot of, you said you were in Tanzania, right? Yes. Yeah. They are yeah. one of the yeah. places with a lot of the animals, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. But we had, we landed in Nairobi for six months of language school. Okay. But then when we went to Tanzania, we, yeah, they were everywhere, literally back then. Yeah. And the kids went to language school too? No. Oh, we learned it the old. We learned it the good way. We played outside with everybody. And what was yeah. the language? Kiswahili. Swahili. Yeah. Now, you say it Kiswahili. Is that Kiswahili? Yeah. No, it's the same thing. It's just okay. that's the yeah. That's that's really how you say it. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, my brother. My brother went to language school to get a high school credit, and mom and dad went. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Playing is probably the the best way especially for a kid to yeah. learn that's they great. were very fluent in it yep yeah alana uh another question you said you have a funny story but let me divert for a minute um do you have a lot of animals in ghana i know the answer to this question but yeah. have lions and tigers and elephants and giraffes in ghana no <laughs> we have lizards and snakes and birds <laughs> and some so random goats that walk around yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. For for the uh, the Americans that haven't that that don't understand Africa and how big it is, like I said for for Stacy, where is Ghana? Ghana is a coastal country in West Africa. In Western Africa. So if you think of Africa as coming, I'm doing it backwards here, but coming around, <laughs> there's a hump on Africa at the top there. Ghana is at the bottom of that of that hump where you go past the corner. That's kind of Nigeria. Then you have Togo and Benin and then and then Ghana. No, there's not a lot of cool animals there. No. <laughs> so what's your funny what's your funny uh, story that you have for us? Okay. It's okay. it's funny, but then it was kind of sad once we realized that like after we were really little, it was sad. But once you get older, it's kind of funny. <laughs> so when me and Stephen were about maybe it was in our first house, so we were probably like six. We were really young. And we had gone to a church, we had left the city, we had gone way out past the city, past the towns, all the way to the village. And my dad had never been to this church before, but the friend or the pastor really wanted him to come. So we came, we had church, we had a good time, and the pastor was really happy that we had come. Because sometimes, you know, you get really busy and you can't go all the way out to the villages to get to the village churches. And Ghana is a very hospitable country, so they like to show their gratitude a lot of the time. So the church and the pastor decided that it would be a great idea to present us with a gift. So, you know, normally they give like fruit or vegetables or something that they might grow on the farm. 
in not so much this time. <laughs> this time, my dad turned around and they presented us with a big, fluffy, white goat. <laughs> and it wasn't even like a normal goat. It was like a huge ram with the big curly horns and everything. <laughs> so me and Steven are so excited for this goat. Me and Steven are like, yes, we shall name it Sunny. We were so happy about it. And my dad is just over there eyeing that thing like, okay, is it going to pee in my new She's for Christ vehicle? Like, how are we doing this? <laughs> so he told the pastor, he's like, okay, I'll accept the gift, but it's not coming to my car. That thing's going to pee in my car. So they're like, okay. So he gave them money. They put it on a trotro, which is what they kind of call like the metro buses or city buses. So how they tie things, they tie it on the top of the van. That's where they put all the luggage. So they took this goat, put it on the top, tied it down, and drove all the way back into the city to the bus stop. goat. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Then the the next day, my dad is like, okay, the goat has arrived in the station. So they told him, what should we do now? So he ordered a taxi, which is, I think he had taxis here, but they're really easy to catch in Ghana. You just flight them down. So he brought the taxi, they tied the ram, put it in the trunk, this tiny little trunk, because taxis are extremely small cars, put this goat in and drive it to our house. And they free it and they're happy. It's happy life. But the goat was an extremely picky eater. And it would, <laughs> it was only... It was like the king. It would scare the dog away, scare the cats away. It was the king of the world, and it would not eat normal grass. It had to have special leaves. It had to have special papaya leaves. <laughs> so my dad was fed up with this goat because it also saw its reflection in the glass, and it kept smashing it. So one day... So, Elena, I'm, I'm going to interrupt real quick. This is Desi. I'm sure. not sharing my... I'll share my screen, too, because while this is an absolutely <laughs> hilarious story... My church will appreciate this because I am not an animal lover. Now, I'm not mean to animals, but I am a no pet kind of guy. And it upsets some people in our church. And they've heard me publicly over the pulpit talk about this and share bad animal stories. And Alana, you are just like furthering my cause at the moment. And I'm listening to you and I'm thinking of my eight-year-old daughter who would think this is like wonderful. Daddy got a goat. And the more you tell the story, the more I'm thinking like, this is not a present. Like this is, this is not fun. I imagine inside your dad was horrified the moment you gave him this goat. Oh, absolutely. Like immediately over it. Because I'm thinking your dad has paid to put this goat on a bus and then he's paid to put this goat in a taxi. Then he's paid to bring the goat home. Now he's got to find a source of fresh papaya leaves because the stupid thing won't eat grass. And he has to pay for all the glass that the goat, this is not a present. All right, I'll quit interrupting your story now. So, like I'm sure our friend would do here, he told my mom, okay, take the kids out. Just take them away. So she took me and my poor little innocent brother away. And then we came back. This goat is gone. It has disappeared. It's like, boom, no it's gone. And they're like, oh, you know, a pastor, you know, he's come and it's okay. So I was like, oh, he's gone. So we were all very sad. And then when I got older, I asked my mom, what happened to Sonny? And then she revealed the truth. She's like, oh, you know, he died. And I was like, oh, my God. You fed it him. became dinner. So like, yeah, it became dinner. So I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah, and then it just got worse. Because then when I got, I learned this like last year. I didn't even know my goat was killed this year. But they were like, <laughs> it was killed on this property. And my dad was so proud of it. He's like, look, this goat was a menace. It died right there. <laughs> 
was like, you can't kill a goat in its safe space. That is like wrong. Goat on so many space. levels. <laughs> oh, so that, that is the circle of life. That is an awesome, very African story oh, where Lord. they give you something and it happens to be in Nigeria, they would say a goat. Um, yeah. Yeah, goat goats are very common. Um, and yeah, that would be a big gift. I remember um, the first time we went to Nigeria, our, there was this billboard in Lagos that said, if you buy this, if you buy a house from us, I guess it was a realty company. If you buy a house from us, you get a free goat and vegetable oil. <laughs> so I guess it was a way to have, you know, a housewarming party. Or that is like that a good like, deal. Yeah. <laughs> why would you want a goat? But it's, there you go. You're, when your belly's hungry, you want to go. That's right. Stacy, I heard you have a, you said you have a scary a scary type of memory. Well, probably my scariest memory of being a missionary kid was um, kind of where Alana is now, leaving school. Um, I went to a boarding school in Kenya. My parents lived in Tanzania. I went to boarding school in Kenya and From was what home. Age? I was, um, I want to say I was 14. I was there ninth, ninth, wow. 10th, and 11th grade. And my sister was there from sixth grade. Wow. No, seventh grade. Yeah. But we were home only three months out of a year. Um, but I think the scariest thing for me was leaving the field, going to an African inland mission church, which was kind of a Methodist Presbyterian type church and coming back to the States at 17 without my, my mom brought me home. My dad couldn't come home with me. Um, I came back and went to was in Bible school and finishing my high school diploma at the same time. Um, that was probably the most traumatic thing as a missionary kid. Africa was real. Africa was home. Africa was my calling. Tanzania was. And if you ask me about scary stuff, my parents didn't, nothing was scary. Everything was an adventure. We were taught that we were living the best life that anyone would want to live. Who wouldn't want to live seeing Mount Kilimanjaro every day? Who wouldn't want to live being on the Rift Valley every day? So we were taught that. But coming home to the States and going into Bible school, after not being amongst the Pentecostal culture, which is a subculture, as we all kind of know, um, coming in as a missionary kid, coming out of um, being in a more of a Methodist type church, not that I was Methodist, but that's how I had to go to go to church when I was in school. And then also coming into an English speaking Pentecostal church, it was quite overwhelming. And quite honestly, the first time we did it on our first deputation, when I was um, 13, I went and hid in a bathroom for about 30 minutes until my mom came and found me. Because I was not, I was in church for the first time with people who were speaking my language and it was actually overwhelming for me. But that was probably one of the scariest things coming home and trying to get back into my culture, which was not my culture. culture. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, there's nothing like, and it's very, very hard to explain because you know, obviously people d wouldn't think by looking at me that I'm African, but so much of my culture and my life has been in Africa. Yes. So 
So that would probably be the scariest moment is getting off the airplane in Houston, Texas as a 17 year old kid and knowing I had to survive and learn how to drive. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So to, to pivot from, from that story, um, and, and both of you can, can answer this, but what are some, what are some things that you think, um, were great about living in, I'll, I'll start with Alana, but what are some things that you think were, were absolutely wonderful, um, in that, that, uh, being an MK created in you some, some good things and also some, some things that are like, like she talked about, and you're kind of in that age, but challenges that you face as an, as an MK, and you can mix and match and address or not address whatever you want to there. But um, how is it, I guess the question is, how has being an MK affected you, good and bad? Um, Alana. So some of the, I think like one of the best things that I've learned from being an MK is how much you get to like realize how different the world is and how so many people like do things different ways so like every mk is different some go to boarding schools some go to international schools like i did i went to a private international school after being homeschooled for like 10 years but i was born and raised in the african culture specifically ghana but then my parents still wanted me to not get as much culture shock when i came back to canada so they tried their best to raise me as a canadian but then they put me in school which there were a lot of Asians there, specifically Koreans. So I would also get that culture. So it was very like lots of different cultures and how different people viewed things or how they did certain things, even their mindset about certain things. Like you may think doing this is, you know, honorable and it's good, but to another culture, it could be like downright bad. So as an MK, you kind of get to see all these different ideas. So you have more of a worldview. You see things very differently which that's a good thing, but it also leads to what I would say is one of the hardest things for MKs. Because for me personally, I was very, very lonely a lot of the time. Not because I didn't have so many friends as much, but because I never got to connect as much with like the whole church youth group idea. Since my parents didn't pastor, like not all missionaries have an actual church they pastor. They moved around every single region, different people. So I never got like the whole youth group thing. I didn't make friends in church. The only friends I had were outside church. They were either Muslim or Catholic or something else, atheist even. So it was very hard to like find people you can connect with as far as your like Pentecostal traditions. And then also like finding a feeling of belonging is really, really hard too. Because, you know, you're from here, but you don't look like you're from here. But then everyone expects you to be very happy when you come back to your home. So it's very difficult sometimes for you to fit in anywhere or feel like you fit in. So that's probably one of the most difficult things for at least me and other MKs too. That's, yes, I appreciate you saying that. And that that takes some vulnerability to say that, you know, that's hard. But it is hard. The The problems of, I mean, I think every teen deals with not, not quite knowing where they belong or trying to find their identity. That's kind of the, the challenge of being a teen. And then you add into it this other thing where you have, you know, when you're, when you're in Canada or the U S you're traveling around. And then when you're in, in Africa, you, in your case, we're also traveling around. Um, Yes. And, and it is, I can see where that would be a, a very 
big challenge. But like you said, there is a good side that you do have this, you've an experience like very few other people in the world get. Um, and that's how most things are in life. There's a good and a bad yeah. um, to them. Yeah. Stacy, uh, address the same question. You're a little older, so you've had a yes. little more water under the bridge. Yeah. But so, but it's very interesting because I can completely, I can completely mirror exactly what Alana said, um, as being quite a bit older than her. Um, few but, years. A few years, yes. <laughs> but we've only been back in the states. It's been 13 years now, and yeah. I still find myself not feeling like I fit. But the greatest gift that um, being a missionary kid gave to me was once again, the boarding school situation. I lived, ate, went to school with, and was constantly around people of other faith. And so I look at people with other faith differently than some people do. Um, it's not, I know I can, I can relate, but I also know what I believe. I was the only girl in a high school, and Alana probably can relate to this too, out of 400 people that wore a skirt every day. I learned what I know and what I believed in, and I learned to stand up for it at a very young age. And my mom and dad never knew whether I could have done exactly what I wanted to do. My mom and dad would have never known. But I learned to do that. That has been such a valuable lesson in life. But it's also to take people where they're at and not, not judge everybody on what you see the first time you see them and to try to relate to them. I can start a conversation with a king and I can start a conversation with somebody in Mathari Valley, which was the slums of Nairobi, because I've been around so many different kinds of people and the same thing with religions i know i know a little bit of probably about every religion out there because i've lived with that religion or went to school with that religion so that was the value of it you know i would in even at my age now i would give i would not take anything back out of being a missionary kid because it was a great i didn't realize everybody in the world didn't travel all the time like we did yeah you know so it was it was a it was a huge it was a few, huge honor I believe. That is, it's interesting how and I I thought this would happen how the two of you, kind of said the same thing. Yeah. And and you were, in very different contexts, as well. Um, Stacy, you had a couple of different contexts. Yeah. And then and then Alana's in a totally different culture, um, but and probably if we brought in an MK from Asia and one from South America, they would. They probably say a lot of the a lot of the same things, yeah. Because it is, it is just the nature the nature of the beast, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're gonna we're we're gonna open it up for questions here in a minute. Um, so if you would like to to add uh, a comment and and precede it with question time, I see that Desi has has just put that out there for us as well. Um. And this is not prepped. I'm gonna I'm gonna put Stacy on the spot here while you guys are writing your questions. I I heard a story from her once that I thought this was gonna be her scary story, which is interesting because the scary story she talked about coming home to Houston 
by herself was scarier than than the one I'm about to ask her about. (laughs) Can you you tell the story about your sister? And I can't remember the details of it. Someone wanted to marry her. Oh, yeah. (laughs) A lot has probably had this happen to her, too. (laughs) (laughs) Is this a common thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. We were in a market going to Lake Tanzanica. Um, I believe it's Lake Tanzanica. No, it wasn't Lake Tanzanica. Doesn't matter. We were going out into the bush, basically towards the Ngorgor Crater. If you know anything about it, that's a beautiful place. Look it up, Ngorgor Crater. But we were going out there. We're at a market at the foot of Ngorgor Crater. And we were surrounded by Maasai. And the Maasai at that time, now they're a little bit more modern, but not much. They wear basically a cloth that is tied over their one shoulder. They carry a sword or a spear all the time, a knife on their belt, and a shield all the time. Is that Tanzania? You said yes. Tanzania. Yeah, it was in Tanzania. Um, right. And my dad, we had been in the market. Us girls spoke very fluent Swahili, so we were everywhere, talking to people, negotiating prices. We had visitors with us, so we were bartering, you know, and all that stuff. And I kept watching one of the... The gentleman, this is going to sound bad, but it's not. It's what they're called. It's one of the morons. That's what they're called. And he was standing watching my sister walking in behind her. Okay. So what, I, was a mor- what was a moron? You got to define it. He was a young warrior. Okay. He was a young warrior. Yeah. And he was walking in behind her, you know, full garb. We weren't really paying any attention. We saw him all the time. Um, and my, so I got my dad's attention and I was like, you need to watch him. I said, he's watching Lakely. And he was watching her speak to the people. And the guy walks up to my dad, and I believe he offered him a hundred cows on the spot to marry Lakely. And dad was like, no, okay, 150. No. And he, they kept negotiating. <laughs> and better than a goat. <laughs> yes. Dad kept trying to make it such a large price that the guy would back down. And he was like, no. And so dad tells us in English like really, really fast English in case I could understand, go get in the car. We're going to be in trouble. And we kept, the guy kept negotiating. Finally, dad was like, we're just gone. Finally goes, no, you can't have my daughter. I think Lakely was only like maybe at the oldest 13. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't want me. My Swahili wasn't that good. And I was mean, but they wanted her. (laughs) You were mean. Is that what you said? I kept going because I kept telling him, I kept telling the guy in Swahili to back off and leave us alone. Yeah, uh, he kept following us. Yeah. Yes, that was kind of a, I think it was more scary for my dad than for us because he had to take care oh, of yeah? him. And the yeah. guy was with a lot of friends. Wow. But yeah, but that's kind of normal in Africa, you know. So since it's normal. so normal, <laughs> since this is so normal, um, <laughs> Alana, I saw you kind of laughing along and nodding your head several times in this story. So yeah. I'm putting you a little bit on the spot. Do you have maybe not the same story, but some other marriage proposal story? Uh, most of them. The thing is, like, I got a couple, but I don't really remember them that much. I remember the one. Were you I... worth at least 150 cows? Surely no. you were worth at least. No. <laughs> goats. So goats. <laughs> it was goats. It was goats. It was goats. Huh? Dinner for a long time. Hmm. Yep. Our, yeah. A lot of our aimers would get them and they would be so freaked out. They would be like in the back of a taxi, just like, you know, riding home. And then when they come, they're freaking out. And I'm like, what's wrong? They're like, I got over five different marriage proposals. What do I do? I'm like, oh, just laugh. 
Because the thing is, Ghanaians have like an awesome sense of humor. So if you get them to laugh, you're basically fine. So you just make them laugh and they're like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Next time, next time is what they say. (laughs) Next time. (laughs) Yeah, next time. (laughs) Next time. (laughs) Now in in, uh, in Ghana, I know, I think they still have the dowry system, right? Mm -hmm. And in Tanzania and Botswana, they also have the dowry system. And in Botswana. Yeah. So I'm I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but for our church family who may not be aware, was 150 cows a pretty good offer? Oh, yeah. That's what I he thought. He had to have yeah. been fairly wealthy to, yeah, throw that one out there. Yeah. Yeah. You think he already had wives? Oh, pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> Add to the... And to the group. I mean, this was back. This would have been back in the early 80s. Well, yeah, mid 80s. So it was still things were still done a little differently. But I know like even in Botswana, it's kind of it's changed a lot. But there's still there's still barter for wives with cows. It's very interesting. Yeah. Again, your husband, Stacy, is on the on the comments, which may be good or bad, but he says he's still paying that dowry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Twenty-six years later, yes. He says he's still paying that dowry, so I, I'm guessing it was more than 150 cows. Huh? It was, it was. Which is funny. I'm the only one who ever had a herd of goats. Come on, no. I did. <laughs> so oh. we're we're beginning to see some of the questions come in, and to our Newark family, please keep posting them. We've got two guests on tonight. This is a unique opportunity, so post your questions here. Can I direct a question to Stacy from someone in our church? And they asked um, why I'm going to just say it the way they worded it. Why did you have to go on the missions field if you were then turned around and sent to boarding school? Because, so I will readily admit as an American yeah. that that's a little bit of an affront to us. We don't have a boarding school system here. So it's like, why would your parents move you around the world and then spend nine months out of the year sending you somewhere else? So honestly, I'm asked that a lot if I was a juvenile delinquent or if I really needed some good discipline. Be- but because the reason- boarding school here, yeah. the only concept we have it is as a penal system. Yeah. It's, it's a punishment for yeah. children or who were, it's very, better very go to well jail. Paid. Yeah. 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 So what it was is we had a, my mother homeschooled us mm-hmm. up until me up until ninth grade and my sister up until seventh grade. And okay. When we came home to the States, mm-hmm. where, where we lived was in a very small town. We had one stop sign, no stop lights, if that gives you an idea, in Tanzania, um, at the foot of Kilimanjaro. That sounds very like backwards. where my wife grew up, and she grew up in Arkansas. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's, yeah. She was a teenager when they <laughs> got a McDonald's. The same. But we <laughs> didn't speak, we spoke very little English to anyone but our family. Um, mm. To be quite honest, we were very backward. And when I say I went and hid in the bathroom when I went to a church in America, it was because it was people that looked like me, but I didn't fit in. And my parents started facing the facts that if we were going to come home to, in the, to the States to go to college and be successful Americans, we needed to go to a school. We had an international school that was near us, but it was like three times the price of us going to boarding school. And it was an English system and it was not the American system. So it was just a better. English is in British system. Yeah, British. Sorry. Yeah. A British system. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was just a, it was a good education. Um, The boarding school Mm -hmm. I went to is still the top in the top two of all boarding schools in Africa. 
So it was a good school. Yeah. But it was a so, sacrifice for my mom and dad. And, and it was a gift, not a punishment. Very much so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's, this, this goes back to what both of you have said about being yeah. raised somewhere else. And so being exposed to many cultures and different yeah. viewpoints. Alana, I think you understood what she was saying about the boarding school and how in, in her situation, yeah. here we are as Americans who are only raised in America and, and not exposed to other things. We're thinking, what? why would I send my child away yeah. for nine months? Yeah. Whereas your, your parents were doing their best to help make sure that yeah. you would be able to reacclimate once you came back to the United States. Yeah. And as a parent, I can't, I, I now, and I've told my mother this many times, I can't imagine what she went through since, you know, leaving us there, you know, a heavy decision to do that. Yes. Huh? Yeah. And that was in the days before FaceTime and internet and email. Oh, there was nothing. We, we could, we could take, we could get one phone call and we had to go through seven switchboards to get a call home. Yes. Wow. Alana, your experience was not like that. No. <laughs> These were back in the good old days. It, it almost Alana, was, but it wasn't. Yes. From yes. what I understand, though, Alana, you're, you're um, and I don't think I'm telling anything, uh, but your mother had some of the same concerns, and that's why she stopped homeschooling you and put you in the international school, correct? Yeah. yeah. They thought about putting me in boarding school, but then they were like, eh. Right. You decided not to. Yeah. Well, and if, if you had a good international school there. Right. Yeah. Your, your parents had more options than the right. Seminoles mm -hmm. had yes. at that time in the yeah. 80s. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, you went to an American school, Alana, but were there any Americans there? There was like maybe one American kid. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> at the I American just, school I, you went to. Huh? Yeah. There were some more Canadians than Americans in that school. That's funny. Like, oh. Well, Canada's America, just North America. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. All right. That's cool. Uh, to the Canadian on the call, you would not refer to yourself as American, would you? Oh yes, never. No. <laughs> well, I I'm not offended. I I have Canadian friends, and so they've made that very clear. In the it's country. almost like we are from North America, but but we are mm -hmm. not Americans. Yeah. So Alana, no. I have a question for you from one of our young people, and they asked, "From what age were you on the missions field?" And how long have you been back living in, well, they said the States. I know you're in Canada. So we're going to tweak the question. How long have you been back in North America? Yeah. Um, I was actually born on the mission field. So from day mm. one, I was on the mission field. And then and, I've been. And you are how old now? I am 17. 17. Just finished so high school. So we literally just came back, like for me, for good last month, kind of. Oh my! And you so you are still works. in this adjustment yeah. phase. Yeah. Deputation works at every what four years? You come home for yeah. Normally it's like every four years, but this last deputation, my parents want to extend it so I could finish high school. Okay. Yeah. So you stayed in Ghana a little longer. Yeah, we stayed about five years this time. Okay. Yeah. Interesting so fact. Alana was born in the same hospital that both of my children were born in, in Gaborone, Botswana. Because well, you, Stacy, after you got done with college and got married and, and that, oh, you went back yes, to Africa, I'm so right? sorry. We, Regina and I know this. Our audience may not. You went back to Africa. Yes, I actually was. 
I actually went back after um, Bible school, and mm-hmm. my husband came over as an AIM worker, and we were married in Botswana and lived there for 16 years. Yep. That's another big chunk of your life as well. Yes. I actually had a residence permit of an African country for 25 years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's so half of, of my life. Yeah. 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 So here's a great one from another one of our young people. I want both of you to answer this. So we'll have Stacy go first and then Alana. And one of our young people asked, what is the coolest slash weirdest thing that you have ever been able to do that North American kids would not usually have a chance to experience? The weirdest? Or the it's coolest. It's hard to say. The card, the, yeah, it says coolest slash weirdest, which is pretty relative. But so let me let me softball that for you. How about unique? What what's something unique that you as a child raised in Africa got a chance to do that would not have happened to you had you been raised in North America? Well, I think for for me, I mean, and this is once again, I'm quite a bit older than Alana, but um our family fun days were on the foothills of Mount Kilimanjaro hunting. What did you hunt? Well, you are from Louisiana, so you're, and I know your dad hunts. What did he hunt? Wild, wildebeest and elan. And um, and what are elan? They are la- large um, antelope. They're kind of like the size okay. of a cow, quite literally. Yeah. Oh but wow! That was our very, that was our family. So much bigger fun day. than a white-tailed deer. Yeah. Oh, much bigger. It would feed you for a close to a year. Yeah. But we we hunt we hunted for our food. But that was one of the coolest things and learning how to do it. And Fam- how to Family fun day was going yes. to hunt in the bush mm-hmm. for food. You know what? Yep. That that still sounds like Louisiana. Yes, it, it was. It was. Either, and, we could and, either go fishing or we could go hunting. I chose hunting. So. Okay. Okay. See, see what you don't know, but our church family does. My, my, I said, my wife is from Arkansas, but she's from the Arklamis, right? Where Arkansas, Mississippi and North Louisiana touch. My father-in-law is from Louisiana. So, so you're actually still describing like Mm -hmm. present day. It just wasn't gators. just wasn't gators and deer. My in-laws, this is not about them, but my in-laws, I remember them telling me stories about dating and, and like they went frogging on a date yeah which is so not my world yeah (laughs) and you're talking about yeah family fun days or when you guys went out to the bush and went hunting like oh yeah yeah, very few actually doesn't sound that different well that but that was probably one of the coolest most most unique things seeing all the animals what about you lana that's such a relevant question I keep thinking of stuff, but I'm like, that's not cool though. But maybe it's cool. <laughs> it is cool, probably. <laughs> so that's why I said unique. Let's uh, let's make this a little easier. And something unique that something yeah. that you found enjoyable that you know would not have happened to you had you been raised in Canada. Um. Yeah. Okay. It's definitely unique for Canada. I don't know about the states so much. Maybe some places they have this, but in Ghana they have when you would go shopping. Especially when I was younger, you didn't have like malls or big stores. So you had these little kiosks, what they call them. They were basically little sheds, like uh, old train containers and stuff like that, where they would sell things. But they wouldn't sell things like all in the same place. You had like one little kiosk for bread and one little kiosk for eggs. Mm. So how we would get things is like 
the traffic there was horrible. It's like rush hour every day, all day. That's how it was. Mm. So you would have to go to all these little places and get your bread here. We had an egg truck where they would put the eggs in the back of a truck and they would sell it like that. And then they had like, um, my mom calls it walking Walmart is basically what she calls it. But people would always carry things on their head. Mm. And then anything you can imagine, they're selling it. So what they do is they would walk through. Yeah, all you're like not going to find that here. <laughs> <laughs> they would walk through all the cars in the traffic and they would be like shouting out like what they're selling. So they would sell like eggs, um, bread, milk, these little like um, glass Coke bottles, um, anything you can imagine. Toilet paper. Toilet paper was a big seller. <laughs> it was a very big seller. Anything you can imagine. It is here it too now. The side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> Toilet paper is a hot commodity right no, that's now right. in North America. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Remember my mom that's always big, cool. okay, we're going to the egg truck. We're going to buy things off the side of the road. Let's go. Walking Walmart. Mm-hmm. And all the stoplights. That's very cool. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, we don't so, have that here. No, we do not have that here. And that would be quite a unique experience. Mm-hmm. Something it would that be nice very if memorable. you did. You know, you <laughs> Just go down to the, you know, half a block away or a mile away or whatever instead right. of having to go to Walmart. Yeah. This next question is for Stacy. We had someone ask, you mentioned Mount Kilimanjaro a couple yeah. times. Did you or your family ever go mountain climbing? I did not. <laughs> but you did my not. no. No. My father and my brother both um, climbed to the top which is quite a that journey does not surprise me at all. Having met your father when I was at UBST, so, like I can know, see your dad doing that today at his yes. current age. Yes. If you know my father, mm-hmm. you'll understand this at the last hut when they were supposed to summit the next morning, my brother got very sick from altitude sickness and he did not oh. summit, but my dad was throwing up. I believe he was very sick himself. And he said, I've I, believe this floor. I believe I it. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. And he summited and he went to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro and he made the guide that summited with him that carried his that went up with him mm-hmm. sit down so he could preach to him Acts 238 because he wanted to teach. He wanted to preach Acts 238 at the top of, of Africa. There you go. So no. but I in I between have no the puking desire. spells, right? That's right. I have no desire <laughs> yeah. to ever climb Mount Kilimanjaro but yes Mount Kilimanjaro is the highest in Africa or the highest yes okay. the highest in Africa yes I think it's don't quote me I think it's 20 19 or 20 I don't know I can't remember it's there. pretty high someone it's beautiful. on the broadcast google that real quick and post it in the chat yes. how high is Mount it's Kilimanjaro, Mount Kilimanjaro. I like- do know I was disappointed with the Rockies because which I know is sacrilege in America because Mount Kilimanjaro, literally, the old Toto song that talks about Kilimanjaro rising out of the um, mm-hmm. African plains, it does exactly that. It just like it just shoots up. It's beautiful. And whoever's googling oh. it, find out like what number it is in the world of highest mountains. I know Everest is. High. There we go. Quick yeah. little pop quiz. Yeah. yeah. Help us out. Yeah. So, somebody, let's see. Do I have a comment yet? There we go. 19,000 yeah. feet, 341. Now to give you give you all comparison, you can Google this because I grew up in Washington state in mm-hmm. the northwest. And from my backyard growing up, we could see Mount Rainier, which okay. is majestic and gorgeous. And I'm mm-hmm. biased because I'm from the northwest. It is beautiful. Massive, beautiful mm-hmm. mountain that's snow covered year round. 
Okay. Yep. It's a real mountain, not these little hills on the East Coast, but I won't deal with that. But anyways, <laughs> Mount Rainier, just for comparison's sake, yeah. Mount Rainier is 14,000 feet, and that mm-hmm. is a massive mountain. Yeah. Mount Kilimanjaro is literally a mile higher at 19,000 feet. Yep. So wow. yep. And it is snow capped. Huge, huge yeah. piece of rock. Yeah. It's very interesting to be yeah, in Africa and see snow. Not an afternoon. Yeah, not, it's not an afternoon stroll. No. Were Tanzania and Botswana both hot, Stacey? Botswana was the Kalahari Desert. So, yes. Um, it had cold. We had cold winters, believe it or not. But Tanzania was more tropical. Okay. And mm-hmm. Ghana is Probably a lot closer hot, to the equator. Right? Ghana yeah. is hot. Is it hot Very all the hot. time? Um, yeah, basically. Except for, like, yeah. the... Um, we call it rainy season. Yeah, it just uh, gets like down to the eighties, maybe, but yep. that's about it. That's how Tanzania was. It, it would get down in the seventies sometimes. I mean, a really, really freezing day was sixty, freezing. <laughs> that yeah. cold, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So before we got on the call, Al- Alana, or before you guys got on the call, Alana was saying that she was cold. And uh... what is the current temperature <laughs> where you're at right now, Alana? Oh, I don't know. I my phone for some reason doesn't show the weather. It's broken. So it wouldn't be cold for us. Keep in mind, my grandpa was like, "Almost July." Yeah, so he was like, "Oh, it's like you know, seventy degrees." I was like, "Sweater weather." Yes. (laughs) Use it. You're gonna be in trouble when it comes to (laughs) October. (laughs) Be a little Uh, snowy. Young lady, you're gonna have quite the rude awakening yes. yeah, <laughs> come, I know. come Canada mm-hmm. up where you're at mm-hmm. December January yeah high tech mm-hmm. coach yeah yep yeah. another question for both of you do are you two willing to share uh, a young person a child in our church asked do you have any funny memories from your time at school so boarding school for you Stacy international school for you Alana a funny memory you're willing to share Okay. <laughs> Do you want to go first? No, you go. <laughs> okay. So uh, there was this one time, uh, I think it was last mm-hmm. year, me and a couple of my friends, we were entered into this competition. But for this competition, we had to go to this other international school called Galaxy. It was an okay. international school from Turkey. And so we had to go there because they had a lot more room. So we went there mm-hmm. and it was a school we had never been to before. And the place had so many staircases. They were like, five to six different staircases but they all looked the same but they all led to different places so it was really Mm -hmm. confusing to find so we were in the examination hall we had finished our essays and then my friend was like I need to go to the bathroom well I had just went with the to the bathroom with my other friend our other teammate so I was like oh I'll take you no problem so we go to this bathroom we finally find the bathroom after like half an hour we find this bathroom oh it was so strange so we went to this bathroom She's the bathroom. It's all good. We're going back to the hall. You'd think we would remember our way. We would hope that. But no, it did not go as well as we planned. I was like, oh, yeah, this is a staircase. No, it was not the staircase. Well, it's a staircase, but it's not the staircase. Yeah, exactly. We ended up on a completely different floor. We tried different staircases. We tried like four different staircases. And finally, she was like, okay, this is it. This is the one. So we went up the staircase. And then we see it's like blocked off, like on the right side. And we're like, oh. What? And then we see this random person. 
he has our back or him his back turned toward us but he's looking outside and we're like this is class because their students were all in like you know normal classes so we're all mm. so confused and we're like why is this random dude up here and why why can't we find our way why is the staircase blocked off and then we look down and we see all these like shoes lined up everywhere and we're like what and then we kind of like walk through a little bit we try not to make too much noise so he doesn't notice us and then we look up and we are in we did not know this but the school apparently has like inside the same building has like a boys boarding school and we were like oh we weren't supposed to be here <laughs> and i'm assuming now but was your friend with you also female Yes, she was. So now you have two young ladies wandering yes. through the male dorm of this boarding school. Yes, and we were like, you know what? I think we should sneak out of here. So we were like super <laughs> Girl, ninja mode. But you know what? I, I am almost certain this is universal teenage boy language. If you had just hollered and drawn attention to yourself and asked for help, you would have had plenty of volunteers. We didn't Someone would have helped we you like, find your way. Mm. We were like, we were, it was a new school, so we were like, I don't think we want to talk to these people. So we were like, Let's become ninjas and let's get out of here. <laughs> become ninjas and get out of here. That is great. That's hilarious. So Stacy, you have a story you're willing to share? Um yeah, so I have a my younger sister, the same one that was afraid of running from the lions. Um, we went to boarding school together and mm -hmm. we look pretty much the same. Oh, a you lot. do. I yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah, we look very much the same. And I was walking between classes one day and one of the teachers walked up to me and she goes, I, I need you to sit down. And so I sat down next to her and she begins to tell me that she did not appreciate me chewing gum in her class. And I'm looking at her and I'm like going, looking, I'm not in your class. huh?" And she's going, she's looking at me. She keeps and she goes and talking in my class and being disrespectful. Oh, and no. late, and I mean, she's just going down the list. And I looked at her and I said, "Um, what class do you teach?" And she goes, "Now this is what I mean by disrespect." I said, "No." I said, "I don't have any of your classes. It was music theory, and I never took music theory in my life." But trying to convince her, she and I Did think she know that your sister that there were two of you she it, i don't think it ever really the penny never did drop with her because i think we actually had on oh, the same no. dress that day on accident oh for no. class that morning and didn't have time to go change because we did that sometimes and yeah but it that was one of the funnier things was this lady deciding she goes i know you were in my class and then one of my friends walked by and said hey stacy or hey simino that's probably what they called me at the time and i was like hi and she's like oh you're really not likely like nope not likely no, so the joys of going to boarding school with your dead ringer sister yeah who was very naughty obviously no <laughs> <laughs> at least very disrespectful in music yes theory, as you've just yes, publicly announced on a live yes. broadcast to the whole world <laughs> 30 and years ago gone. when we were in boarding school in That's africa right. she was disrespectful in That's music right. theory and, and she chewed gum. gum. Yes, that's right. She, she was. Yes, that was one of my funnier stories. Yep. Our, one of our one of the ladies on our pastoral team is an identical twin, like truly an identical twin. So she's making comments. Yeah. Flying to your husband saying, I'm an identical twin, and I'm pretty sure that both my husband and my sister's husband would respond the same way. 
after your husband defended <laughs> you and said that you are much prettier. Yes. Yes. He always says that. He smart should say man. that. Especially on a, a live man. public yeah. broadcast. That's right. Very, live. very smart. Yes. Yes. So next question. Um, this is for both of you. Where you lived, was the clothing attire very different? And if it was, did you like it? And why or why not? Go, Alana. You guys have. Um, the clothing attire, for the most part, was pretty similar. A lot of the time, they would wear their own fabric. But skirts mm. were all in style, especially when I was younger. So that was really nice, actually, to see people wearing, you know, all the modest skirts always. Mm. And when I started getting older, about maybe a couple, two to three years ago, they started wearing pants. But for the most part, it was actually all skirts and dresses. So it was really nice. All in their very colorful fabric. So yeah. it's all pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Tanzania was, they wore the kanga, which was a large, just a large piece of cloth that you wrap around mm. yourself. Um, very extremely modest, um, mm -hmm. always to the ankles. And then they would also wear something over their heads, thrown over their mouths um, or over like right here. Yeah. And I yeah, actually still, pardon? Are they, are they a Muslim country? No, but it has a lot of Muslim influence. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, quite a bit. But so you like to go to a funeral, to go out during the day to the market, you know, we, didn't really wear it because we wore mostly Western dress, but I still have conga sets, you know, mm. and anytime I travel, to, I have to a this day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a few from actually from Zanzibar and from in Zambia. Some oh, of the best right. materials from Zambia. Yeah. What does that mean for those of us who have no point when you say best material? It, just fills. So, got a wax. Well, I'm assuming fill. this, but yeah. Okay, but these are also these are not machine made, are they? They would be machine made. Yeah, oh, they would be machine yeah. made. Yeah. Okay. I think the stuff, but, the a lot of the garments in Ghana are they hand embroidered and done? Do you know, Alana? Um, it depends on like which fabric it is. If it's just yeah. a normal like everyday fabric cotton, they normally just do that like printing press and wax. Yeah. But if it's like the traditional, um, what you wear for weddings or mm -hmm. any sort of ceremonies, yeah. it would be handwoven. They call it kente. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Yeah. And so in Tan Tanzania didn't didn't have that. It was more the wax print, but it was a nice material. I have got a piece of material that I've had since my daughter was a baby um, that somebody gave me, and I, it's still like it's brand new, and I quite literally use it all the time. So. Mm. It's a very Anytime good quality textile. Yep. yep. Gotcha. I am looking through. We are at the top of the hour. So I want to thank you both for joining us. It has been an absolute thank delight you. to have the two of you on our Friday night with friends. We were thank blessed you. to have you both. To our church family, before we end this broadcast real quick, I have two announcements that have nothing to do with these lovely ladies, but just a reminder to our church family. One for our parents who have KBN age children, kids Bible night age children. Just a reminder, although we are still in this shelter at home state right now here on the East Coast, we are still doing our KBN, i.e. for lack of a better word, Sunday school, and we're doing it live and it's every Sunday at one o'clock. And so if you have KBN age children from ages four to seven, it's live at one o'clock 
and then at 1.30, again, still live, ages 8 to 11. So I'm encouraging all of you parents with KBN-aged children that you go ahead and continue to join those broadcasts. If you have any questions about that, you can reach out to our Youth and Children's Ministry Director, Kiara Horn. And then secondly, just as an announcement to the church, if you will go visit our church webpage, newarkupc.info, and if you will click on the online small groups card, so click on small groups and then the online small groups card. I updated that card yesterday due to some technical challenges and some streaming um, requirements that are changing starting next week. So hear me, I'm, I'm talking just a few days away, about four days away, starting next week, our online small groups are going to be switching platforms and we are no longer going to be using WebEx. We are going to be using Zoom, which is actually what we're using to host this call tonight. So you will find all the instructions for what to do and where to go and the meeting ID numbers and et cetera on our church webpage on the online small group card. So please pay attention to that because if you go to join your small group next Tuesday on a WebEx call, there's not going to be one. So starting next Tuesday, our small groups will be meeting on the Zoom platform. You can find all the instruction there. All right, now that I got all those boring announcements out of the way, ladies, if you wouldn't mind, and Regina as well, everybody wave good night. Thank you so much for joining us Hi, on our live broadcast, church family. Bye. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you both with us. We are thrilled to have you too. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless Thanks. you.